So I'd like to welcome everyone to Sunday service here at Ananda Village in the Temple of Light. I am Nayaswami Parvati. This is Nayaswami Pranabha, and we're very happy to be with you today. I'd like to read now from Rays of the One Light. These are based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda and written by Swami Kriyananda. Week 20, Activity Verse Inner Communion. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Last week, we contemplated the well-known story of Martha and Mary. Traditionally, this story has been offered to show the two classic approaches to salvation, the first through action and the second through prayer. The excuse of the Marthas of this world has always been, the church needs its Marthas too. Treatises, moreover, have been written to justify the Martha approach to piety, praising her self-sacrifice as, perhaps, an even higher demonstration of devotion. Thus do the men unmeditative in religion try to justify themselves. Yet the fact remains that Jesus rebuked Martha. Elsewhere, moreover, he spoke of the virtue of feeding the hungry, curing the sick, and housing those who were homeless. It wasn't that he disapproved of serving people. Wrong attitude was the object of his criticism. What he was criticizing was forgetfulness of the true goal of right spiritual action. Good deeds outwardly without inner, inner communion with God will result in good karma, but will not bring final freedom from all karma. The path to inner freedom was described by Paramhansa Yogananda in these words, be always calmly active and actively calm. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, he who is not shaken by anxiety during times of sorrow, nor elated during times of happiness, who is free from egoic desires and their attendant fear and anger, such an one is of steady discrimination. Do your duty in life, so counsels this great scripture elsewhere, but never lose sight of him to whom all action should be dedicated. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. Welcome, everyone, as well and those who are watching online. I'd like to read to you one of Paramahansa Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity, a book of prayer demands. Bless me that I may perceive thee through the windows of all joyous activities. Look upon me and cheer me always as I engage in my daily duties. Let my every action, whether waking, sleeping, or dreaming, be sprayed by the fountain of thy presence. 
the second chant that I had us sing together, the one of Yogananda's, I will be thine always, the first two verses are important to relating to today's topic. The line from the first verse is, I may go far, farther than the stars. And we've done that many times. We've gone further than the stars away from God. And yet, the refrain is, I will be thine always. And then the second verse is, devotees come, devotees go, but I will be thine always. It relates to what the story of Mary and Martha from the Bible, in that we can see it as a reference point, as something to always remember whatever happens, whatever we end up doing, uh, we could say whenever we blow it, we can always say, I will be thine always. You know, in the last number of weeks, I've been tuning into a couple of the yoga asanas, the yoga postures that are part of my daily routine. I'm not quite sure why they've come to be more of my focus, but the first one is Bhujangasana, the cobra pose, which is a backward bend, and it's done lying on our front side on the floor, and we ground ourselves with getting the pelvic area firm into the floor, and then we start lifting with our hands and arms at our sides, the upper body up and back. And the mental affirmation that's suggested by Swami Kriyananda for this pose is, I rise joyfully to meet each new opportunity. And then the other pose is Balasana, the child pose. And it's done normally by kneeling, and then we let the upper body fold over, and so the abdomen is resting on the thighs or close to the thighs, and our forehead is on the floor before us. Now, we can make modifications. You can rest the head on your folded arms or on a firm pillow or a folded blanket. Uh, but both these poses can be done by anyone, even in a chair. And uh, if you want, experiment with doing them. The affirmation, the mental affirmation suggested for uh, Balasana, the child's pose is, I relax from outer, outer involvement into my inner haven of peace. And it's interesting that the cobra pose is dynamic. Uh, it's a challenging pose for most people. I mean, I've been doing it every day for well over 40 years. And believe me, there are times when it's still challenging. It, it's, it's a demanding physical posture. But what happens, what can happen, and does happen for a lot of people doing the pose, that they can easily default to actually being in more tension because it is challenging. You know, what we start to learn in that position of the cobra, that bending up and back, is that we don't add, need to add more tension to do it. That's counterproductive. So we start to learn we can relax and soften the shoulders down instead of hunching them up. We can feel the chest open, expanded in the heart chakra. We can feel the head softly opening up to an energy rather than tensing up. 
And then we have the true experience of I rise joyfully to meet each new opportunity. And in life, that's similar. You know what it's like to be challenged, to have something really in your face, either literally or figuratively. You know, as we talk about so often, you know, the past two years of the pandemic have proven to be that for probably most of us, that it adds tension. And we kind of have a, a just a, a remnant of tension that we don't even recognize sometimes until it increases and our bodies start to break down or our uh, mental processes start to be, uh, you know, damaged in that experience. Our emotions start to be challenged. We know what that's like. But if we learn like the core propose, it is a challenge. But how do we create an openness arising through that experience? Well, it's interesting, the other pose, the child pose, balasana, what can happen to people in that pose is that they can default to passivity. Isn't that interesting? Kind of just easing into the subconscious, because it's a relaxing pose. And yet, that isn't what's trying to happen through that experience. It's dynamic in a different way than the cobra pose is dynamic. It's saying, in this relaxation from my outer involvement, I'm opening up. I relax into my inner haven of peace. It will be passive if we're not engaged more fully. It'll just be an interesting experience rather than the possibility it's offering us. But these two parts really are how we relate to life, beyond the yoga posture side of it. It really is what's there before each one of us. The Martha that's willing to be active incessantly and seeing it as, of course, you should be like me in doing what I'm doing and the way I'm doing it. And then there's Mary, that as Jesus points out, he says this verse in the Bible, these words in the Bible, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled with many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. So we had this wonderful day celebrating Rajasi Janakananda, who was the most advanced disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. We celebrated yesterday. His birthday was on May 5th. But we had this wonderful celebration yesterday as a day of service, of a day of together, coming together to do projects. Uh, many of us were spread in different parts of the community to really engage in that energy. And we had the choice of being Martha's or Mary's. And it isn't always that obvious what that really means for us in our situation in the moment. And what that means is sometimes we really are in the midst of some karmic challenges, meaning we're dealing with the tests that have come because of what we've set in motion 
in our decisions, in our desires, in our attachments, in our likes and dislikes. And sometimes we're a little bit blinded as to what's going on. And so in that case, even just putting out energy to do something is a progressive step forward. But we don't want to rest on our laurels. We want to tune in. We want to feel that engagement going a little bit further. And that's into being the flow of divine energy rather than trying to do the divine flow of energy. Subtle, but it is what happens to us as we grow spiritually. One of the boons that we have is an approach to meditation throughout the different techniques that we have to give us that direct experience of really knowing we can remain centered all the time. We don't have to be pulled into restlessness. But perhaps there's times when we're not even sure what God is. What is the divine for us? It seems like there can be gaps. There can be chasms between what we've read, what we've been told, and maybe even what we've experienced to some degree, but that karma, those challenges, that intensity, we don't even know that there is that divine as a true experience rather than an affirmation. You know, I was remembering uh, from back, I think in the 1970s, um, that there was a, uh, an approach to dealing with chronic pain and post-operative surgery pain. And it was a simple approach of a simple meditative relaxation technique. And it really, in the studies, proved itself to be very, very effective. It, both effective in terms of uh, the number of people that were given this possibility as uh, a pain relief. Because what they were finding is a lot of these, these people were not finding pain relief in any other source. And so this was uh, an option for them. And, and a good percentage of the people enrolled in this program found tremendous benefit. But it also uh, allowed individuals to, to just find a deeper experience of that. But they reached a kind of a glass ceiling of how successful, how it was beneficial, both again in terms of the numbers of people and the depth of that experience. And so the element of faith was included in this basic meditation technique. Interesting, isn't it? This is coming from a very scientific approach to using meditation and relaxation in, in the experience of these people. And then there was this inclusion of faith. And what was meant by that in, in this setting, in the experience of dealing with these people dealing with pain, it had to do with a connective energy that was feeling more from the heart, more from a trust, 
more of a letting go into the experience. And they found both, again, in the numbers of people, there was more effectiveness. And in that depth, they found more effectiveness. But interesting for us, because we all know, or most of us know, that devotion, which is another word for faith in terms of the actual experience of what we're tuning into, is an important factor. Perhaps for some of us, it's more important than the other parts of our spiritual journey. But in the deeper sense for all of us, it's like there's a complete picture that some of us may be journeying on in a certain way and others in another certain way and someone else, perhaps, another way. Well, in truth, every one of us as an individual is on our own spiritual path. But what we come to realize as we focus more and we go into the true deeper parts of meditation is that it all comes together for each one of us in a very real way, and it starts to bring all of those factors together, the heart's devotion, the mind's deep perception through intuition, the sense of being an instrument to be of selfless service in the world we live in, and to plumb the depths of consciousness and self-realization. But that's the promise we have. And Jesus is pointing out, this is what's really significant, is that wherever we are, whatever we're engaged in, whatever's happening through life around us, if we focus, we bring our self-offering, we tune in more, we feel a sense of receptivity, then we have the experience of Mary. It isn't opposing anything other than the forgetfulness of who we are, the forgetfulness of the divine, and being caught up in the whirlpool, the vritti, as they say in Sanskrit, of what we want, what we think is the best thing. Well, that still remains part of the puzzle. That's fine for us to to think that to a degree. It's, it's the degree part that's critical. We don't want to get caught more in that whirlpool that draws us away from who we really are, but use it as a springboard. Use it as a way to keep moving forward into that self-offering. Because if we're willing to go with that deeper offering in every moment, then we start to feel that as our experience, not just affirming it. And that's the difference. So in the cobra pose, there's the affirmation I mentioned. I rise joyfully to meet each new opportunity. Well, what happens to us is that that's our experience in life. We're really feeling that as the deepest truth, that we rise joyfully. That's our, that's our 
normal, natural, and immediate response as we grow. That I rise with that joy. Whatever happens in life, I'm there to engage in it. And then the affirmation for the child's pose. I relax from outer involvement into my inner haven of peace. So it's not saying I'm not involved outwardly, does it? It doesn't say that, does it? It says I relax from outer involvement into my inner haven of peace. Well, that inner haven of peace can happen in the midst of intense activity. But we're just relaxing from being identified or caught by the whirlwinds of tension that may be there. And so we gain perspective, or more importantly, we gain the experience that everything is God flowing through us. There is no other than that. And all we're doing is we're improving that experience, we're improving that knowledge of that, we're improving that ultimate merging into the divine consciousness. But each one of us has the adventure of doing this. And there are times when the challenges may be overwhelming. I mean, it, you know, it appears likely from what's happening with COVID-19 and its variations that we're in for a surge either soon or later this year. But I think we're all tired of it. But the point is that that really isn't a factor. The point is, I rise joyfully to meet each new opportunity, even if that opportunity has repeated itself numerous times. And I'm centered in myself enough where I can feel, okay, whatever happens, I can be relaxed and I can be an instrument. As you know, the poem that's attributed to St. Francis, which they found now is actually written by William the Conqueror, who Paramahansa Yogananda said he was that incarnation as William the Conqueror. So we have this poem, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace, coming from Yogananda uh, through the blessing that St. Francis used it frequently with. But that idea that make me an instrument of thy peace, whatever is going on. You know, let me that, be that receptive agent for the divine, that when we're pummeled by circumstances, where there is injury, let me pardon others. You know, where there is hatred, let me share love. That we can be just completely immersed, but dynamically engaged in the world around us. And so the world becomes the treasure trove of possibilities. And we can fly like angels of light through it all and be in that experience completely.
Most High, our Heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to Channel 